So today, um, as you probably have noticed, we're going to be talking about what is your offering. And my passage is out of Luke chapter 18, verses 9 through 14. It's a parable. It's a parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector. And it's not an uncommon. It's known to most many of us. Uh, it, it, it says, to some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. Two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood up and prayed about himself. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers and evildoers and adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all that I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He wouldn't even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. This is the word of God for us today, and there are several directions that I could take with this. It's kind of one of those fun things that, that we uh, uh, sometimes as pastors can kind of go, okay, what should I do? What should I do with this? And I, anybody like alliteration, you know, where the, the words all start with the same, same letter? So we could talk about the Pharisee and the trouble with pride, and we could have called it the peril of proud praying, right? The peril of proud, or the presumptuous Pharisee. Uh, lots of letter P for, for those who like that kind of alliteration. Or we could focus on the tax collector and humility, and I've called it check your attitude of the door, or gone Dick, Dickinsonian and said a tale of two prayers, you know, <laughs> gone after it that way. I think most of the folks who, when you look at this passage, you, you see in it the fact that the Pharisee is proud and is not the example that we want. He's a bad example. While the tax collector is humble, and is a better example of who we need to be in prayer. But I'm a little weird. Have you all noticed that I see things sometimes a little bit askew? <laughs> so what struck me is the beginning and the end. And verse 9 is the beginning. And it says, To some who are confident of their own righteousness and look down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. You see, one of the things about Jesus that he was really, really good at, he knew how to take aim. He, he just did. He, he knew who his audience was. He knew what he needed to say. He knew the point that he wanted to make. And in this case, he took aim at those who were self-reliant and elevated themselves above others. It's a group that wouldn't be very familiar with the phrase, but for the grace of God go I, because oh, that's never going to happen to me. I'm always going to be better. I'm always going to be this, or I'm always going to be that. But before we kind of move too far away from those people, I have to confess to you that at times this has been me. You see, sometimes I'll see as someone who's in need, and I'll see somebody who chose that life, even though I don't know that for a fact. We just got back from Florida. There's a lot of folks on the exit ramps of interstate. And I know that we want to be judicious and we want to be good stewards. But am I giving them a fair chance? Or am I deciding to separate myself in that moment? 
And I think too often I separate myself in that moment. And I don't think that I'm alone in that. I think that's common, especially in a world that we live in today where so many are, I was going to say scam artists, but see, there I go. See how easy it is and how fast it can work its way in. See, each of us has those situations in our lives where we rely on ourselves and we lose sight of where God would have us to be or what God would have us to do. We all do that at one point or another. And that doesn't make us bad people. It actually makes us people. It's kind of this, this battle that we have going on between the flesh and the spirit, human and, and, and God, and this, this thing that happens inside of us. What it does mean is that this parable that Jesus was taking aim with, we're in the target. It's for us as well. It's not just for the Pharisees among us. It's for each of us. There's a message for you and there's a message for me in this text. But we have to be willing to seek it out. Am I willing to look at my life in such a way that I begin to see honestly where I am? What areas of my life, what areas of your life is Jesus taking aim at? That's the first thing that kind of jumps out at me at this passage. The other is towards the end. It, it, it says this. It, it, it says, For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. See, there's this gift that each of us has. I talk about it a lot because I think it's really important for us that God gives us this gift. It's an amazing, wondrous, wonderful gift, and we can use it for good or we can use it for evil, but it's a gift nonetheless, and it's the gift of choice. See, we get to choose. God gave it to us. He, he said, you know, you're going to have the ability to choose to help or to choose not to help, to choose me or to choose yourself. And that is real. That's something that each of us has. So, but let me read this passage with a little bit of emphasis on it, just this couple of sections. It says, for everyone who exalts himself, for everyone who exalts themselves, and not women, I'm sorry, you're not off the hook, uh, for everyone who exalts themselves. In other words, for everyone who makes the choice to exalt themselves. For everyone who exalts themselves will be humbled. That ought to scare us. It doesn't say might be. It doesn't say maybe. It says will be. So we, gotta, you, we can choose it, but there's a will be attached to this. I can choose to exalt myself all I want, but you know what's going to happen? My day's coming, right? <laughs> But that's just for me. Y'all don't worry about that. And he who humbles. I lied. Y'all need to worry about it too. And he who humbles himself. And again, it's he who makes the choice to be humble, who chooses the path of humility, who chooses the path that is often against the path that the world might be trying to pull us on, who chooses that path will be exalted. And that ought to excite us because that's, that says is that if I'm willing to choose humility, you know what's going to happen? I will be exalted. Now, that may not happen in this world, and that's okay. You know, we have a hope and a future. It's an eternal hope. It's amazing. So in this passage. This, we're given a choice of how we're going to act. The Pharisee chose to act selfishly. He 
He exalted himself above others and loudly proclaiming, you know, I'm glad I'm not like y'all. I'm glad that I'm better, you know, and, and, and that, that, so that's a choice. But they also have the choice to be as the tax collector who didn't even raise his eyes, who knew, who lived in recognition that he was a sinner. God have mercy on me, a sinner. Can you imagine yourself? Can I imagine myself? Outside, the, this is a public place. And he was outside, he was, he was where people were. And all he could do was say, have mercy on me, a sinner. Could you do that? Could you stand? I, I'd have a hard time standing outside the doors of this, and this is not even a well-traveled place. And if you ain't looking for Arbor Point Church, you ain't likely to find it, you know. <laughs> But even so, to be in public and say, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. I'd struggle with it. And guys, I am a sinner. I do fall short. That level of offering, to offer myself at that level, is uncomfortable. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, this is when David was dancing in the streets when the Ark of the Covenant came to town, he was looked down upon by his wife, Michael. This is verse 14. It says, David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the Ark of the Lord with shouts and the sound of trumpets. They're bringing the Ark of the Lord, the Ark of the Covenant, into town, and he is so excited that he goes, the king goes into the streets in his nightclothes and is dancing, jumping around. I know I'm not supposed to jump around. Um, but it's hard not to, right? This is the Ark of the Covenant. This is the Ark of the Lord. How excited, how excited is he that he's dancing in front of it? He doesn't care. He's, he's going, ooh! Well, he might not have gone, woo, but, but he was doing something, right? He was excited. And the sound shouts, and hey, here comes the ark. Here comes the ark. Can you believe it? We've been wanting this. It's coming in. We've got it. Ah! You know, it's that Oprah. Ah! You know, <laughs> you know it, it's amazing. And the trumpets are sounding, and he's just having a good time. Verse 16 says, as the ark of the Lord was entering the city of David, Michael, daughter of Saul, watched from a window, which is appropriate for the text. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. He's out there, he's celebrating, and she's in a window looking down on him, literally, right? Looking down on him. She despises him in her heart. And then verse 20, David comes home. And I love that it says, when David returned home to bless his household. Michael, daughter of Saul, came out to meet him and said, How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today, disrobing in the sight of the slave girls of his servants as any vulgar fellow would do. Dripping. I, I see such sarcasm. I can't even do the level of sarcasm that this, you know, it may have been, you know, one of Y'all got that look every once in a while, right? <laughs> when you walk through the door, it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> How you did this? But I love David's response. Despite his wife looking down on him, berating him, he says this. 
it was before the Lord. And he's not above a little dig himself. It was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone from your house to be appointed the king and ruler of Israel. Yeah, it's good they didn't have like real, what, 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 what's that real life TV called? <laughs> real Housewives of David. <laughs> he said this though, catch this. This is the core of it all. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. I will celebrate before the Lord. I will become even more undignified than this, and I will be humiliated in my own eyes. He didn't care what she had to say. He cared what God thought. He cared about God. So you can say whatever you want. I'm gonna, I'll become even more undignified than this. I don't care what y'all think. I'm, I'm just going to just worship my God. The Ark of the Covenant coming to town is awesome, and I am going to dance in my night clothes if I have to. Right? That's a freedom worth seeking. The freedom to let go. Of, how many of y'all wish you could raise your hand? Don't raise your hand. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, man, I really, I'm feeling it. And I really want to raise my hand. But what is that person next to me going to think? They're going to think I'm some charismatic maniac. So I can't, I can't do that. I'm going I'm to be able to raise my hand. I'd like to raise my hands because I really want to raise my hands. You know, I, I love to worship God. And when I raise my hands, I'm telling God, pick me up and hold me because I want to be held. But I can't do that because they're next to me. You know what David would have done? He'd have, he'd have gone, he'd have gone, he'd have probably gone like this, ah! you know, he'd have gone wherever, he'd have done whatever it took to let you know that he was going to worship his God no matter what. The freedom to dance or to cry out, to say, have mercy on me, a sinner, my God. Not worrying what everybody else thinks, focused on what God thinks. See, maybe the power of this parable is that it's more about the heart of the offering than the offering itself. The tax collector brought a humble and contrite heart to the table. That's a heart that God can use. There's a song that Paul Beloche sings. It's called Offering. And some of the lyrics are powerful, and I wanted to grab hold of those today. I think it can be easy to forget who God is when we speak about God. We can forget the awesomeness of who God is. So let me just start with a couple of the lines from this song because they, they speak to me anyway. The sun cannot compare to the glory of your love. There is no shadow in your presence. Think about that. So we have light, right? Look on the ground. See all these shadows? There's shadows everywhere because this is human light. You, you know that when we're in the presence of the Shekinah glory of God, there's God, I believe this to be true. I don't think there's going to be shadows. There's going to be light. There's going to be glory. And there's not room for shadows. There's not room for darkness in the light of God. It's going to be powerful. It's going to be amazing. When the sun shines, we leave a shadow. But in the presence of the Lord, there is no shadow. The, shi the, 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 the glory of the Lord is all about us. And the Pharisee lost sight of that. He lost that. He didn't know that or he lost it. 
No mortal man would dare to stand before your throne, before the Holy One of Heaven. I know a lot of folks will say, you know, when I get up to heaven, I'm just going to ask this question. I just want to know about this. I got news for you. When you get up to heaven, you ain't going to ask anything. You're going to do this. We're not going to be able to stand in the glory of God. We're not going to be able to, to, to you, he won't care about you asking whatever questions, but I think you'll probably already know the answers and you won't have to ask them. But, but this, this lack of humility around, I'm, going to, I'm just going to go talk to God and tell God a thing or two. I got news for you. When you stand before the Holy One of Heaven, our Creator, our King, it ain't going to be that way. It ain't going to be what you think if that's what you think. It's going to be like the tax collector. Lord, have mercy on me, the sinner. It's only by your blood, and it's only through your mercy, Lord, I come. The door is open. It just came out of Easter, right? That's the way the door got open. The grace that we experience is not a cheap grace. It's a costly, costly grace. It cost Jesus' life. But as unworthy as we are to stand before God, we're able to come through that sacrifice, through Christ's offering. Did you know that, God, that Jesus chose to go to the cross? Fully God. He could have said no. He loved you so much. He said, I'm going to do this anyway. I'm going to go, and I'm going to do it for you. It's a mercy that's been given to us. I bring an offering of worship to my king. No one on earth deserves the praises that I sing. Jesus, may you receive the honor that you're due. Oh, Lord, I bring an offering to you. This is what the tax collector was able to grasp. It's that when we truly understand the greatness and the bigness of our God, what other people think is not as important as what God thinks. What David knew this as well. He understood it well. The king of Israel, the king of Israel, dancing through the streets in linen ephod, which is night clothes, not king. That's why Michael was upset. He was exposing himself. That's, you know, it probably wasn't a pretty sight, but he didn't care because he was dancing before his king, the king. He was probably more in tune with God than, than we experience in that moment than many of us experience in a lifetime. He didn't care. What if we lived like we don't care? Not that we don't care about each other or people, but we don't care what other people think about how much we love God. What if we lived that way? What if, what if I wasn't worried about what the person next to me on my right or my left thought about how I worship? Freedom. Freedom to worship. So does it mean that we need to take up dancing in the streets or crying out in public? No. But if God is moving in your heart and you feel that urge and, and it's what you need to do in a moment, listen to God. Don't listen to me or listen to any person. Listen to what God wants you to do. We need to begin to see what we're holding back. What are we withholding from him? Begin to let go of our self-righteousness so that we can access this God-righteousness that's available to us. You see, as a pastor, 
every week. I have a choice of offering. Do I deliver a message from a place of my own ability, from a place of brashness? Or do I seek to deliver a message in humility, allowing God to use me as he sees fit in delivering a word, his word, to his people? So I was listening to this song, Offering, and it was impressed upon me that my offering, you know, you know, I'm not preaching to you this morning. I mean, I guess I am, but I'm not. Really. You know who my offering is for? You know who, who this message, what I'm trying to do with this is to honor God. He's my audience of one. It's offered to God. Because when I get that right, and y'all know when I'm off and when I'm not, you, you, you sense the spirit of God moving in hearts and not moving. You know how, what that's like. But when I'm out of the way and when God is speaking, it becomes more than anything that it could possibly become through me. Through my power. And my, I want y'all to know how much God loves you, but Mike Divine is not going to move your heart. Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. Yeah. He'll move your heart. So for each of us, and, and each of us in our workplace, each of us in school, each of us in the place in our families where we are, this is our place to offer ourselves. Offering ourselves to God. To bring an offering to God that might be acceptable and made more powerful. For me, for, it's to be more, made more powerful for God's people. And don't mishear me. Brash can sometimes be good. There's nothing wrong with being brash. Where's it coming from, though? Where's the origin of it? Where's the heart in it? Is it a heart for God or is it a heart for ourselves? Am I exalting myself or am I glorifying God? What kind of offering am I bringing to God? And that's our choice. Hopefully it's one that honors him.